G'day and welcome to the Sea Creatures Podcast, a show all about the amazing animals that live beneath the waves. Each episode we chat about a specific sea creature with a guest who has spent time and interacted with this ocean animal. Our guests range from marine biologists to divers to underwater photographers, citizen scientists and people that have an intense passion for marine life. My name is Matt Testoni and I'm all of the above. And joining me for this episode of the Sea Creatures Podcast is Scott Portelli and he's an underwater photographer, videographer and also the winner of the BBC Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition a few years ago and he's going to talk to us about the leafy sea dragon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me Matt, great to be here. No worries. So normally like I see your photos and there of seals and dolphins and a lot of like big animals, a lot of fast animals but then you've also got a lot of the small or relatively small compared leafy sea dragon. So why do you love the leafy sea dragon so much? Yeah, look, I have a passion for sea dragons. Like, you know, in any given year, I probably traveling nine months of the year. So I'm in different destinations around the world. But when I get a chance to be home in Australia, and most of the time I am based in Sydney, I'll spend as much time diving. And, and I love diving the temperate waters. Like the temperate waters of Australia, there's got so many amazing, cool creatures you know, cuttlefish, sea dragons, sharks, just awesome, awesome creatures. I think anyone who's ever dived with a leafy sea dragon will automatically, you know, fall in love with these creatures. It's got to be one of the most intricate, beautiful looking creatures I've ever been in the water with. They're just, just unique. Everything about them is unique. You know, their biology, their behavior, you know, their habitat. Yeah. And they're only in, located in a small part of Australia, which is even more crazy. But describe to us what a leafy sea dragon is. So a few people probably know what a sea dragon is, but what's a leafy sea dragon? Yeah, so a leafy sea dragon, it is part of the seahorse family. The leafy ones in particular have got appendages that resemble their environment, whether it's kelp or seagrass, you know, other foliage underwater. So you know, hence the name leafy sea dragon. They're generally about, an adult can get up to about 40, 45 centimetres in length, which you don't understand until you see one, you really think, ah, it must be these tiny little creatures that no one ever gets to see, but they're actually quite large. They have a sort of a bony looking exterior with little sort of spines on their back, a few sets of fins for swimming and direction and you know a snout that obviously looks like a, a seahorse snout but they don't have the curled tail like a, a seahorse so they're quite a unique looking creature and I don't think there's anything that even comes close to looking like a leafy sea dragon <laughs> yeah and I mean like you know the appendages really do make them look like seaweed and so you swim along you think oh it's just a bit of seaweed drifting along you're like wait a second that seaweed has eyes and this like weird seahorse mouth it's it's just crazy and it, and it takes a, it takes a while to train your eye to look for them as well like i remember when i first started out diving and probably when i was doing a lot less photography you know you go looking for creatures and you'd always come back and someone say oh yeah i saw seven of those i'm thinking what i didn't see any once you start realizing you know what you're looking for what their environment is that they would be in and what sort of behavior they would demonstrate and these are all the things that help you understand what's in the ocean and the ocean itself. And also, you know, helps you find the things you're looking for. Yeah. And so they kind of, they you know, look very much like seaweed drifting along. 
But what kind of habitat do they live in and what kind of food do they eat? Like you said earlier, they're only really in, found in South Australia and Western Australian waters. Predominantly, the ones in South Australia tend to be in shallow coastal areas. In South Australia, there's a lot of jetty diving. So people dive around jetties and in seagrass patches, in kelp areas where there's you know a rocky outcrop or a rocky ledge and the kelp is sort of growing up along the ledges. They can be found in sort of open water areas as well. I guess not a huge amount is known about them. So, you know, they tend to be found in the environments where are accessible by divers. And the type of food, they, they eat uh, what's called mycids, uh, which are these tiny little crustaceans. And they're constantly eating. From what I understand, they don't have a real stomach. So their metabolism is constantly, you know, burning. So they're constantly eating. So when you do see them underwater, and if you're watching very closely, you'll see them always grabbing these tiny little mycids, which are also found in those environments, you know, around seagrasses, around jetties, around kelp heads. And they also need to be in areas where the environment helps them you know, stay protected because they have no natural defences except for the element of you know, camouflage. Yeah, and especially I think those like kind of protected areas, as you mentioned before, they have two fins and those fins are super tiny and super translucent and it kind of reminds me of like kind of little T-Rex arms. You're like, really? Could you, can you do much of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. What are, what are they doing? Yeah, and it's funny. I've seen them in quite strong currents and they still maneuver quite well in these currents and, you know, surge and swell. And you're just going, I'd be struggling on scuba. And you've got this dragon that's just going, yeah, I'm going this way, this way, and this way. And it's adapted to do this. And like I said, with these tiny little, tiny little fins. And the, the tiny little shrimp that they eat, I always kind of, you know, to do another weird dinosaur metaphor, I always kind of think of them as like hidden amongst the shrimp. Like the shrimp are just there and like, oh, yeah, there's a bit of seaweed and it's just like picking them off. Because well, it's camouflage, yeah. I feel, is as almost as much about predation it is is prey yeah and and you you watch them too when you when they feed it like and you can hear it too if you really are listening closely or if you've got a video camera that really picks up sound you'll hear the snap of the the mouth and like when they grab one and they're very strategic and they're slow and they move towards it and then bang they they grab one they could be in a swarm of these mycids and the mycids obviously don't know what hit them but the leafy sea dragon is there just there picking them off but yeah it's it's quite interesting like i said the sound is a funny thing underwater too because it, it took me a while to realize that a few times i was listening to my camera and I'm going what's this buzzing sound and as i got closer and closer i realized it's the fins moving at you know sort of a high rapid movement and like i said the thing of the the mouth when it snaps you know one of these mice like you really can hear that stuff you know it's bizarre yeah, and I, I was talking to someone the other day and they you know, were saying that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, people thought the ocean was silent, but it, it's actually <laughs> full of these amazing sounds. Oh, yeah. It's, it, the more you can get down deep and listen, the, the more you'll hear interesting things. Like you, you probably know like coral reefs. When you're around coral reefs, it's like a crackling. And you know, when you're in the deep ocean, there's, there's like you know, these deep sounds going on. You know, who knows what some of them are? Yeah. So like diving with leafies, what's it like or what does it feel like and what are some of the highlights of seeing leafy sea dragons? Yeah, look, I think with any creature, I, take a, I always take an approach of the more I understand about the behaviour, the better the opportunities will be to you know, have that sort of close intimate encounter. 
And I think with sea dragons, you know, we're so big compared to these you know, tiny little creatures, but they all are quite different. Like some will approach really slowly and they couldn't care less that you're there and they'll continue going after their mycids or moving around their environment. And there's some that'll see you from 10 meters away and they're already like looking for an exit. Yeah, I think just being in the water with them, like with any sort of creature underwater is the more relaxed you are, the more soft you are with your approach and less deliberate with your movements, the more the creatures see you as a non-threat. Being in the water with one is exhilarating. You know, I've taken divers before where they just sit and lay on the sand and they'll have this leafy just swimming in front of them, you know, back and forth or up and down on the, the kelp. And they're just, like, you can see their face underwater, their jaw is just dropping and they're just like, this creature exists, you know? <laughs> yeah, and... And to the point of like the different ones act differently. That's one thing I'm always amazed at. You'll swim up to one and it'll just swim away straight away. Like, oh, what are you? And you go to its friend, you know, a couple of meters away, if you're that lucky. And it's just happy. It's kind of like I've had one or two that have come right up to the camera, almost yeah. curious. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm finding different regions too. Like I've been lucky enough to be able to dive New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, West Australia coasts over the last year. And, you know, seeing weedy sea dragons in different regions, they even look different sizes and colours and things like they're seen as the same species, like the weedies are the same species, but these could be subspecies in the different regions. And then you look at leafy sea dragons again, and there's South Australia ones. And then I recently did some diving in Western Australia down near Esperance. And once again, behaviour and differences again. And, you know, there's places where you've got leafies and weedies together and the way they interact in different regions is is another factor as well that you know you start realizing yeah yeah and i I think that's one thing that's really interesting about like i know for the weedy sea dragon that the ones over in wa have like extra appendages on the tail which is crazy the leafy sea dragon i was reading that the demographics are totally different they're almost separate as you said species in wa and sa and they don't really move very far yeah, to that, one thing that I found really cool is that the weedy sea dragon, they kind of, you know, they take the identify individuals of the belly patterns, but the leafy, it's actually the head. Yeah, yeah. And and it's tricky too, because I've, I've been sending a lot of, like with many marine related animals and being a photographer, you do get involved with a lot of conservation and research groups. And I've been sending a lot of IDs of leafies to various organizations. And even just me looking at the computer and going, I can barely see the difference. And then someone will go, yeah, there's there's a slight notch here near the head over there and there's a line here. And I'm going, you know, you're really looking hard to sort of see those differences. Identification and, you know, how you identify different species is always fascinating anyway. Like, you know, whether it's a, you know, a whale shark spots or a humpback's tail or a leafy sea dragon's head. It's funny how there's distinguishing things that are, common across a species that are easy to identify yeah yeah it kind of makes me wonder like you know is that the case for all animals like a nudibranchs do they have individualistic markings too yeah for sure i think nudibranchs are just like fascinating animals like every time you think you've seen a thousand different ones you know something new will pop up or you know these creatures are just bizarre but beautiful uh so do you have any cool facts about leafy sea dragons for us? Uh, let me see. So basically they have a brood of eggs and 
what happens is the female transfers the eggs to the male and then the male carries the eggs around until they've hatched. So the male does all the, you know, incubating, looking after the eggs, you know, and is the parent for the majority of the time. And these, these eggs, like, you know, they'll take anywhere up to eight weeks to hatch once they've been transferred to the male. And when they come out, they're these tiny little versions of, you know, leafies and weedy sea dragons. And then, you know, they're basically fending for themselves. There is no protection. They they sort of blend in with the environment. And, you know, they do grow at a, a fairly substantial rate. But, you know, you can imagine if a brood of, say, 200, 250 eggs hatch from, you know, a leafy and these tiny little creatures, you know, in the ocean with so many other predators eating tiny little creatures, you know, their chances for survival are probably not great. You know, it is interesting to see that, you know, that some populations, you know, are doing okay and others have moved away from areas. So, yeah, there is a, a research group in South Australia uh, that's been uh, doing a study on Rapid Bay and the sea dragons there. And I think the study go, went for about five years and they managed to find so much data uh, just by, and they tagged a number of individuals and recited them. And, you know, it did things like show that leafies and sea dragons in general don't really move too far out of their area. Like their radius is probably a couple hundred metres at the most. So if there is a decline in an area, it could be because of, you know, habitat loss or it could be, you know, food sources or it could be, you know, the fact that maybe strong currents have moved them into another area. Like there's so many things unknown, but... Yeah, there are things that we're starting to find out about them. Yeah, cool. It is amazing that like they don't, and I guess that's why they are such a, a species that is vulnerable because they can't move to a new location like a bird can per se. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, if there is no habitat or food source, then there's nothing to protect them and they're vulnerable. So if anyone wants to see a leafy sea dragon, where should they go and kind of what would they do? Yeah, look, uh, South Australia is probably the place where most people go. And it's funny because South Australia has adopted the leafy sea dragon as basically their marine emblem for the state, uh, which is a great thing because, you know, you see that local communities get behind protection of the species. Look, there's a number of places across South Australia and South Australia has three peninsulas and across all those peninsulas, there are leafy sea dragons in a lot of the different sites. Kangaroo Island as well, you get leafies over on Kangaroo Island. There's also Western Australia, so the, the southern parts of Western Australia, all I believe all the way up to maybe the Perth area or you know, Russellton and Bunbury area, you can see leafies, but they're a lot more common in the southern parts of Australia. I, ironically, like you would think they're across Victoria or Tasmania, you sort of being the same sort of temperament environment and but no there's very rarely been any indication that there are leafies in those areas and if you're diving down like i think shore diving is probably the easiest way to see them i believe are there any like kind of yeah. special tricks yeah I, th- I think with a lot of dive locations the local dive community is always you know quite protective of their dive sites and their regions and their creatures. But, you know, there's always local dive operators that will take you to certain places. And like I said, some seasons, there might be leafies in some areas and in other areas, they might have moved out or might not have 
spread as well. But from a shore diving perspective, yeah, you any of the peninsula jetty diving, like mostly the diving in South Australia is jetty diving. So you go along the jetties, you're looking for creatures in a habitat that resembles them. Predominantly, it's going to be seagrass and kelp in South Australia area. And they will be from, you know, a few metres deep in water to six, seven, eight metres deep in water, depending on the environment. The main thing is go slow, go slow and always look behind you. I always notice a leafy once I've passed it. So, you know, go forward a little bit, then look over your shoulder and go, oh, he, yeah, he eluded me. He's just gone behind me. Um, <laughs> I, I think, look, if, if you're looking for a leafy and you're going to the right places, you'll find one. Yeah. That is funny, like looking, it's almost the leafy's hiding kind of, you know, as you go past and then it's like, yeah, I'm free and you kind of catch it. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been awesome. And if anyone wants to see your amazing photography and videography, where should they go and what should they do? Yeah, I I guess I've got a number of things going on at any one time. I'm actually in the process of launching a sea dragon exhibition at the moment i'm still getting confirmation from the venue most likely it's going to be in south australia and sydney uh so there'll be two two locations and that that will probably be march april may time of year so i will have that on my website and details for that a lot of my work is on instagram scott.portelli a lot of the video work I do, there's a few things on at the moment. If you've gone to the Ocean Film Festival, there's a piece about humpback whales in Tonga that we produced last year. So yeah, there's, there's lots of different places for people to look at what's going on. Well, yeah, I encourage everyone to, you know, get out there and see the stuff because it is, it is next level. But thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Sea Creatures Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Matt Testoni. You can see my photography on Instagram at Matt underscore Testoni underscore photography. Or check out the Sea Creatures Instagram, which is Sea Creatures underscore podcast. Production assistance by Georgia McGrath. And music by the amazing and fantastic Dan Musil. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review, and visit our Patreon which is patreon.com slash Podcast to help more episodes of the show get made. Coming up next on the Sea Creatures Podcast, we're going to talk all about polar bears with the excitable and knowledgeable Drew Hamilton, who is actually a polar bear guide over in Canada. And if you thought polar bears weren't sea creatures, think again, because they hunt on the ice where there is no land, therefore they hunt at sea. This has been the Sea Creatures Podcast. Over and out.